Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Cincinnati Masters are over. Djokovic has won. Azarenka has won. We've also got the challengers. Alcaraz Garcia winning in Trieste. Stay tuned. Hi, I'm Ilya Marchenko. I'm Dennis Kudler. I'm Evgeny Donsko. I'm Henry Larson. I'm Peter Torepko. And you're listening to the Game to Love podcast. So, JG, we've had a cracking final there. The first one since we've come back. And I was sort of blown away by the quality, not only that we've had this week from the tournament, but in the final especially. Uh, I don't really know where to start uh, in this match. I mean, do you want to take us from, from the off? or I think we need to start with just talking about Djokovic, really. The people yeah. are going to click on this video to know what our thoughts are on him and his achievement and it's crazy it's absolutely crazy what he's done it looked like the chips were down in the match he come through and has won again and now he's won every masters event twice it's incredible it's that's just inhuman at times you, you, you just would never expect that to ever happen like to, to win all the masters once is a massive achievement to do it twice it's kind of unheard of and yeah they're played to Djokovic that makes it now 35 masters titles it's insane Yep. He's in good company there. I think Federer's a bit behind, but yeah, it just shows. And you'd, you'd fancy now Djokovic to push on from this, and wow. it's just perfect timing, really, for the US Open. Hopefully, his injury's not too bad. He's done it all um, with a bad neck, hasn't he? And a bad stomach. So it's not, it doesn't bode well for people if he fixes those two things in the US Open. Yeah, but let's get straight into the match. So Raonic's oh. come out the traps really fast. Really and he fast. looked like the same Raonic we've seen for all the week, really. He was just so commanding, so powerful. His net play in, in the past against Djokovic, obviously he's got a 0-10 and 10 record against him, was actually yeah. really good. And he was winning, I think it was like 80%, 90% of his um, points from the net, which is just unheard of against Djokovic. Because as we know, Djokovic is one of the best passers in the game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and sure. if you put it onto his forehand and you're in the net, even his backhand, to be fair, there's a good chance you're going to get past. Yeah. And um, I was just so shocked seeing this level of play from Raonic and his just whole mentality and consistency in his shots. There was just a set. lack of unforced errors. I think he only made a few, a handful of unforced errors. Yeah, I think it was two set. or something. something. Yeah. And yeah. Djokovic was just being pushed back, pushed back, and he just couldn't get into the game. I don't personally buy that there was anything wrong with him in terms of his neck or anything. <laughs> In the, in the final at all, because the way it didn't look like it was a case of he was just, he was struggling. 
it just looked like Raonic was hitting shots which were actually unreturnable. His serve was popping. His follow-up after his serve was ridiculous. And Djokovic was just being stifled. And at this point, there was a lot of people on my on my uh, news feed on Twitter saying, how's Djokovic going to come back from this? But there's also that small section as well who just stand by Djokovic no matter no matter what. And they believe in him. And they were saying, even when uh, he was losing 6-1, they lost the first set of 6-1, Djokovic will come back and win this in three. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there was uh, it was fairly evident in that first set that Milos Raonic coming out the traps the way he did. And Djokovic just looked a bit out of sorts, really. He he didn't have any answers in the first set. I think he was he was playing uncharacteristic shots. He was like trying to drop shots from the baseline that weren't working. I don't think he quite knew how to deal with Milos Raonic. Probably hasn't played a player like this in quite some time with that sort of power and accuracy. And it showed like the, the some of the stats which you see was quite interesting from that first set. He uh the 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 first serve points that were won, which was Raonic was eighty percent and Djokovic only fifty six percent. Yeah, his first serve points one, and that was like the big stat from that first set, I think. And clear six one win. Uh, Djokovic hit a few double faults as well, which gifted a break to Raonic, and that I think that set like, he couldn't do anything to really get into any of the games, any of Raonic's service games. That's credit to Raonic, really. So the second set, a bit more even. Like Djokovic came out like a more into the match, and he got it to 3-2, level on serve. And then finally, you start to see getting it to juice. And that's when Djokovic strikes. He knows he's got the chance, and he starts pushing then at that point. And I think as soon as he got that break, that was sort of the set done. He'd sort of got Raonic's number a little bit on that serve. And one stat I wanted to obviously we had the fir- like the first set stats with the services and stuff. The second set stats with the services, Djokovic eighty percent uh, of winning points behind his first serve. Around it's still consistent, eighty one percent. But on second serve, this is the big stat from the second set. Raonic only twenty five percent points won on second serve. Like that is the stat. And you said it all there. That's literally what happened in the second set. Brownich was missing a lot more of his first serves yep. and hitting a, too many set, second serves. And that just allowed Djokovic to get into the match. His second serve, don't get me wrong, is like a first serve of a lot of other players. Oh. But what was happening was, I noticed it, it was at 3-2 up, uh, Djokovic. He was returning like the returning of what we know Djokovic is capable of. And he wasn't just yeah. returning them. He was returning them with a bit of interest on the, on the shot. And that sort of made Raonic take a step back and think, oh, he started looking over the net and thinking, oh, I'm playing Novak Djokovic here. Yeah? yeah. I think the whole, the first set, he didn't, he was in his own bubble. He was very focused, just getting the job done, doing what he was doing. His first serve was going in. Second serve, when it started not to look as, as positive, you then start looking at who the opponent you're playing is. And when you've got Novak Djokovic the other side, someone you've played 10 times and never beaten, it did play a mental edge on him. And I well, started to see sure. him going in himself a little bit. He was taking a little bit off the serves. He was he, he had a few even a few double forts. And he's yeah. there was a lot of times where on his forehand, very comfortable shots where you'd all week he's been hitting them as winners, let alone getting them over. They're going into like not even the top of the net, the middle of the net, bottom of the net. He was yeah. there was something you could see it shifting big time. And at that point, you could fair to say that Djokovic had him beat, I feel. Yeah, I mean when he came into that, th- after that second set and he lost, then he came into the third, 
there was a little mini resurgence there from Brown. He took the early break. He was 2-0 up. Mm. And then you're just thinking, oh, is Brownich now coming back? He's got showing the resolve. But then you really saw what Djokovic was made of once that break. It was like there was something just clicked inside him. That well, it's the, some of the highest level tennis I've seen. I've, like the returning is just God. sublime. It was like, Djokovic. Uh, Roundich was literally powering down 135 mile, mile an hour serves into the tee, and he's just returning them or yeah. out wide, literally touching the lines. And he's not just returning them; he's hitting it back at the ba- other baseline. It's just ridiculous. Well, the thing I noticed when he was obviously he broke to go two nil, but then you, when you see someone like Djokovic get broken two nil in a final set, and the next game. Raonic was love 40 down on his own serve and Djokovic breaks game to love let's say nice to throw that in there <laughs> I, I tweeted it out I my tweet yeah I did but from two and then from 2-2 two, two, he just started pushing Raonic around the court and the passing shots he was doing were nothing short of astonishing I was blown away by some of the shots he was putting out and I thought the difference between Raonic's shots, he was playing, they weren't the best approach shots anymore. The first set, he was hitting it really hard and deep. Now there was, like you said, taking a little bit off some of it. It wasn't quite in the corner, and that just gives, and he, when he rushed the net, the ball's flying past him. He, he, was, he, he stiffened up a lot, and was making a lot more unforced errors, and it's just a very uncharacteristic of what we've seen of Raonic throughout the whole tournament, but... I do think the occasion did get to someone, even someone who's had a lot of experience in big tournaments. Obviously, he's not played for a bit now, but he's come back and he's playing some of the best tennis of his career. There's no doubt. You could arguably say this is the best he's played ever. You could talk about maybe 2018, he was on fire, but now he looks really good, in my opinion. But it was still that mental side. I feel like it is really difficult to beat a player when you know in the back of your mind you've never been able to beat this player. Yeah, that for sure. I mean... And another thing as well, which is, well, he did manage to steal at 5-4 when Djokovic was serving for that. Yeah. He still got a break point as well, yeah, yeah. which yeah, was, yeah. I mean, if he had grabbed that, we could have seen like some crazy end to the match. But Djokovic uh, had the mental strength to see it through. I thought something that was really, I don't know why it's still happening. People walking around in the stands while players are playing. And there's about 50 people in the stand. Just sit down and stay still for one minute. You're there. You're, you're in the pr- privileged position to be there whilst there's a Masters 1000 final. And you're standing up and walking around. And there's no excuse for it. It's just irresponsible. Just, <laughs> he was walking around. I didn't see There was, was one around. person. And it was in the, like vital <laughs> games and stuff. But this is like Raonic's trying his best to stay focused in these games. And you've got people who are probably part of the whole tournament or part of either crew walking around. I mean, just sit down, sit still, set an example. Jeez. That just wound me up. Very I just, passionate about this. Just, it wound me up in the Murray match as well, remember? Just yeah, I remember, sit yeah. down. <laughs> There's no reason for these people to be walking around at all. All right. Yeah, you've got really? to anyway. Yeah, it just winds me, it just winds me up so much. But like, they don't do it when there's a big stand of people, or at least those people probably don't. So why are they doing it now when there's an empty stand? Oh God, don't that type of thing is just if it's if you're going to play behind closed doors, you might as well have no one there. If there's going to be people 
walking around during points. Just get rid of everybody then and just have the coaches there because at least they can sit still. Yeah. Yeah, just during points. Like, it's just not even much too much to ask. Just for one game, just stay still. Yeah, even that though, I don't think that would have stopped Djokovic in the form he was in. No, it wouldn't have stopped the way he was playing. Did you see his lob specifically? That shot was just next level. I'd lost count, mate, of all the shots that were just flying off his racket. I'm, I'm going to try and include uh, a few of these just whilst we're speaking, so that you guys can see the the standard. I picked out a few uh, like special shots from the match and. They were incredible. Like some from Brownich as well. He obviously had his moments too, but Djokovic really just stole the show. And just to hear, like, I think with one of the key points, when he got, when he got the break, uh, at, I think it was 3-2 in the final set, and you hear the roar that came out of him there, like, finally I'm ahead in this match. Yeah. And Djokovic. And you could see how much it really meant to him. Like, that was from deep within he's I think he is fighting a lot of problems yeah. and I think that that showed it so yeah fair play to him and congratulations he's a true champion man and that makes it now 23 and 0 I believe for the season so <laughs> incredible what a guy yeah was... on to the other winner on the yeah. winner's side we had Azarenka that's a bit of a shock um, result really granted she didn't get to play the final because Osaka withdrew. I think it was a hamstring was playing up. She had a little injury from the previous match against Mertens. Um, yeah. Fair play to Azarenka. It turns out now that Azarenka contra match was in essence a final. Yeah, I mean, uh, you've got to feel a bit sad for Mertens, who obviously lost to uh, Naomi Osaka. She probably yeah. could have had a chance at a final. She's got to be what a little... Make of that? Do you feel like they should allow maybe Mertens to play? If the opponent retires? I mean, it's a, it's a bit of a fight because you have already lost, which makes it, I don't know. So obviously, Osaka would have been in the final, so she'll still get the purse from the person who would have lost the final anyway. So I'm not mm. sure how you would really work it. Yeah, yeah. I don't, okay. I'm, thinking, I'm not sure if it can work on based on that only. Yeah, yeah. But in principle, yeah. I mean, if it was just there was no money involved, I'd say, yeah, go on. Oh, forget about it. Just to see some tennis. <laughs> it would be nice to actually yeah. see the final. Do you know what I mean? I feel like Frazarenka... It's still an amazing achievement to be getting in the situation she's in, but it's not the same as actually going there and actually winning the final by actually playing tennis. And it, I think it just proves as well that uh, Azarenka has obviously been around for quite a number of years and just coming back now to the highest level that she used to be, like, say, back in 2014, she was really hitting some amazing form. Mm. Now she's really coming back to that, and she proves once again in the women's game anyone can win one of these tournaments yeah. and that just bodes well for the US Open but I'd, if you look down that draw I can't even tell you who would win I don't even have a clue I don't yeah. I, there's maybe one of 10 maybe but I still that could be wrong I think it's wider than 10 to be honest yeah possible because there's a lot of young players there like say Leila Fernandez she probably yeah. wouldn't be in your 10 but she's someone who has a lot of the t- potential and Someone who wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past them putting, putting some resu- results together, that's for sure. No, definitely not. Yeah. But yeah, looking at the draw, one of the results we wanted to talk well, one of the fixtures we want to talk about is uh, the British. Yeah. The, the, the British <laughs> Being paired up. Conter and Watson, our only two British hopefuls in the women's, and at least we are guaranteed a second round <laughs> British person in the US <laughs> Open. So 
best of luck for, well, at the moment, it looks probably like Joe Conter stands the best chance of uh, going through. But you never know. When it's Brit v. Brit, you never know who's going to turn up on the day. And Heather Watson's a bit of a fighter, so... Well, we saw it in the Battle of the Brits. There was a few, like, freakish results. And, um, exactly. But this is a bit of a different occasion. It's a proper match now. This is a US Open. And Conter um, was, in essence, one game away from winning it. So... Yeah. It just shows, well, Cincinnati, that is. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. So it just shows that in the US Open, she's in the better form of the two. The better player, you could argue, as well. Well, she's we've top seen 20. Heather Watson as well, playing in Acapulco. She plays a brilliant, ten- a brilliant tournament then as well. So anything's possible. We'll keep our eyes open and see how they all get on. Yeah, she's not really come back to the same level of form that she, uh, she had since then, unfortunately, for Heather. But... Uh, We'll wait and see how that match goes. There's a couple of other interesting matches I just wanted to try and throw, throw at you from that first round. Uh, probably uh, Kerber versus Tomijanovic yep. is quite an interesting one. Like uh, That could possibly go either way, I think. There's an, uh, probably the main one from this draw, which I quite like the look of. We've obviously got Corey Goff there against... Sevastova. Oh, that's, that's a tough re- opening, man. Yeah, really tough opening. <laughs> They're not doing her any favours, are they? Just going to start her off really tough. So, I think and- Coco would take it, though, to be fair. I think she's got a bit too much for her. She probably has. You're probably right. Uh, but it's just very interesting, the the way that the draws lied out. So you could have potentially Naomi Osaka... She's in the same side of the draw with Kvitova and Rybakina and Kontavit. So you could be seeing some interesting like fourth round matches in that side. And then we've got... For me, Kontavit's the one to watch in this tournament. I think she's... Um, dangerous. Dark horse. She's uh, played a, a, quite a bit of tennis now as well since returning. And she's shown that she's good on clay and hard. She's a very versatile player. So yeah. a lot of grit and determination. And she seems to be a bit of a winner. And I think that's what you need in the, on the women's tour right now. Someone who, who shows a bit of grit and determination in the crucial points. Granted, she did lose the final against uh, Fiona Ferrer. That was in Palermo. Yeah. But I don't know. I think she's better on hard. Her game is probably more suited to hard. And I think she's got a very good winning sort of mentality. And I think that would be that's key in some, maybe beating some of the better players around her. But she's definitely capable. One to watch. Your tip for the uh, <laughs> for the tournament? She's my dark horse. <laughs> so is that a uh, actual tip, or is yeah, that that's my tip? actual dark horse tip? All right, dark horse tip we've got there. So that's not your actual full-on tip, just a dark no, horse. No. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So we'll do that yeah. later on. Okay, we'll do we'll do the uh, that later on. There was another match. Oh, I just want to find it quickly, which uh, stood out a little bit. We've got. Kim Kleisters, and she's up against uh, Alexandrova, which is a really interesting like first round matchup there. Because Kleisters coming back, I fancy Kleisters to be fair. Thinks she could do something. I can't call any Alexandrova matches. I've seen <laughs> yeah, some tough. crazy good tennis from her, and I've also seen some really bad tennis. She's a bit inconsistent. She's got bundles yeah. of talent, but um, it depends what Alexandrova turns up on the day. Definitely. Uh, probably my tie of the round of the first round is the one that stood off the page to me is Leila Fernandez versus Vera Zvonareva 
I think are quite that's yeah. that one jumps off the page at me as probably the the one I'd find most entertaining out of all of them. So mm. I look forward to seeing that. We've obviously got there'll be a lot of long rallies in that one actually. Yeah, it'll be a good match. I think it'll be a good match to watch for that spectator. Oh, definitely, definitely a good match for the neutral. Yeah, so we have a look through. We've got Sabalenka. She's in uh, the side of the draw of Kenin. And we've got in there Elise Mertens, Ons Jabour. She's also in this side of the draw. But there could yeah, be... Yeah, uh, that's the tricky side, that one. Yeah, that one is... Yeah, there's not going to be any easy matches going through that side of the side of the draw. So, yeah, really uh, interesting draw there for the women's. So hard to call. But I'm going to ask you for your pick. Give us who you think your favourite pick is and just the one outsider for the women's draw. Well, I've already given my outsider. I'm going to stick with that. That's Annette Contevate. Contevate. She's Contevate. seeded my like 12th. Yeah, that's a real one. No, I don't think... No, she's a bit of an outsider. Come on, you would never... You wouldn't ex- you're not expecting <laughs> yeah, her to win. I think that should qualify. As I don't want to hear what your favourite one is now. She's the outsider. Well, you could say this is probably more of an outsider then. All right, my then. My favourite is Muguruza. Ah, you... <laughs> that's who I picked. Yeah, that's who I picked. <laughs> but yeah, so we both got the same favourite pick. We both picked Muguruza as our... You're joking. No, as our favourite. So there's not much <sighs> I can do in. about that. So what's your reasoning? House, your reasoning might be different to mine. My reasoning is uh, based on the last hardcore tournament, and I haven't really seen Muguruza play since, but I'm hoping if she comes back in that form, I reckon she'll wipe the floor with everybody. Well, the last time we saw her was in, in Doha, wasn't it? And she played a good match there. I think she lost to, I think, I forget, maybe Kvitova. She lost in three sets, and it was quite a close match. And then obviously she's she there. lost the final of the, the last slam. Yeah, against she's, Kenin. She's, she's, had a long time. she's not played though since February. So. She's a big match player though. That's the yeah, thing. That's, with that's, her. My, that's my reasoning. I thought yeah. she's a big, I feel like she's a big match player. And I feel like when she comes back, she's going to pick up from where she left off. Do you and, want to know uh, my outsider? Yeah. Azarenka. Oh. <laughs> just she's just uh, obviously done well in this tournament. Maybe she can carry the form on. So, so. she's going to do win an ATP Cincinnati and then well, straight why after not? that. She's going to win the US Open. And do you want to, as we're here giving some picks, do you want to give some picks on the men's draw? We obviously did a review of the men's draw. We didn't give our picks. I know we thought it was going to be uh, victorious there. But yeah, give us your, uh, well, favourite and then outsider. Okay, so I'll start with the outsider. Yeah, Hopefully you right. allow this. It's Alex Dimonor. Okay. Yeah, I can I see that. Like that's an outsider. That can be an outsider. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's I think he's a 22nd seed or something. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely an outsider then. But yeah. Um, So, yeah, for me, I think we've seen what ability he has. He's recently just won the doubles that we've not spoke about at Cincinnati with Pablo Carina uh, Buster. Yeah. So, he's in a bit of winning form. Granted, he's going to be now playing <laughs> singles, but we've seen him do it. We know how good he, he, this guy is. We've been raving about him on the podcast for ages. We've seen him at Wimbledon last year. Yeah. And we like him. We just think he's a really good player and he's capable of, I think, causing a bit of an upset here. And then my big pick, my, my main yeah. pick, it's hard not to say Djokovic. Uh, what is? Honest. I know. That's the problem. Like, it's... People are going to probably say in the comments, oh, why, why do you not think Djokovic is going to win? I actually kind of do think he is. But just to make it a bit more interesting, I'm not going to say Djokovic, and I'm going to go for 
Stefano City Pass. That's my winner. Interesting. City Pass and ADM for me. Right. That's interesting. Right. Get on to my. So, my main. I'm going to start with my favorite tip. Uh, I've been really impressed with him this week. I think if he just adds a little bit more to his game. He's got all of the ability, like all of the stats, all of the ability, and all of if he just has that slight more mental toughness, he'll get there. Roberto Batista, a gut. And I think if he can, if he can just add that extra bit to his game, he can. He's beaten Djokovic three times on hardcore. Obviously, he came up short this time, but he's got he's got something there. If anyone can beat Djokovic, I think he's one of the people. So that's the reasoning for that one. And the next one, you're not going to like, <laughs> but it might be, it's a very risky one. Riley Opelka. Because before this injury, I don't know how his injury is, but if he stays fit, he was firing like aces left, right and centre. And if any, I couldn't see anybody returning. And Titipas was, well, just about, I got to go into a tie break with him before he retired in that match. So you never know. You serve 1,000 aces, you might win the US Open. <laughs> so that's my reasoning for that. Fair enough. So, yeah, they're the picks. So that's that picks. Let us know in the comments, guys, what your picks are, what you think about our ones, and um, who you think is going to win on the women's tour and men's tour. Yeah, exactly. So let's move away from the US Open and talk about something which is, for us, probably more exciting than the US Open, which was two well, favourite players of the podcast coming up against each other, clashing in Italy. In Italieste, we had the hometown kid, Lorenzo Massetti, up against the phenom from Spain, Carlos Alcaraz Garcia, in what could be possibly a Grand Slam final, I think, in years to come. And this one... Did not disappoint. I was blown away by the standard. The stands were packed. This is how much people didn't even care if they got coronavirus to watch this match. They they were literally, the stands were packed and everyone knew they were watching two future great players here. It was that good. It it broke records on the Challenger stream as well. There's so many people streaming it, trying to watch it. I I don't blame. I mean, I, I was one of them. So... And just to see the way it all progressed and the match had it, it was like the final that everybody really wanted to see, but it was a semi-final. And Alcaraz, he sort of seems like the older player between two because we know him a bit more, but Massetti's one year older, but Alcaraz has been getting a bit more recognition. Alcaraz came out of the block super fast, getting, uh, yeah, nearly getting a double break. And Massetti, just that backhand, uh, it just shows like such resolves to hold and the winners that he was hitting from forehand and backhand side you should hear the crowds there they were really roaring every time he was hitting a winner it was way Massetti playing that second set was just nothing short of breathtaking it was incredible it just shows why we like him so much and And I'm going to keep putting up some of the shots as well for you whilst we're talking about this so you can see if you didn't get a chance to see it you can see the standard of tennis these two youngsters were producing yeah, I mean, the second set, he was hitting. It's just that that backhand. And he even does this crazy backhand where it's a sort of inside-out backhand where he cuts across it and it drives it into the corner. It's unbelievable. You don't even see like some of the other players, but Stan would be proud of one of these backhands as well. 
Yeah. But then you no, just incre- incredibly talented players, and to be 17 and 18 years old is just amazing, really. Oh, I was and, um, blown away. It led up to a brilliant final where Alcaraz managed to win that game, come through it in three sets, and then he set up against uh, Bonadio in the final, yeah, which is but, not, not an easy game. In Italy, Bonadio on the clay is a really good player. Don't brush over that third set. Uh, you cannot brush over that third set. That third set was crazy. Massetti turned it up a notch and went. 3-1 up in the final set. And he was suddenly incorporating volleys into it. Every time he was hitting one of these power backhands to the corner, he was, he was rushing the net. There was a passing shot coming. He was firing volleys down. It was really great stuff. But that's when you saw the quality of Alcaraz come out. 3-1 down, final set, wins five games on the bounce to win the semi-final. That's how good Alcaraz Garcia is against all the Italians that were there. It was something to behold, I really say. All yeah. I want to say now is please, please, please let him play in Roland Garros. Ah. We need to see him there. Both now his, ranking, his ranking's gone up to 220 in the world after Amazing. this impressive win. I think he was in the 300th before. So it's 318, really I think. Yeah, so now he's down to 220. And I'm not sure how far he is off qualif- qualifiers, really. Or if they're playing qualifiers for French off. Open. Yeah, there's qualifiers coming. They'll be happening a week before the French Open takes place. So I think that kicks yeah. off around about the twenty, around the twentieth, twenty first, something like that of uh, yeah. September. I just don't know why. I feel like he's going to get in through that because there's going to be so many players who are going to be missing out because of the U.S. Open and stuff like that, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think there's that loads there's, of players who are not people gonna aren't going to be traveling to Europe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, so you it have gives the benefit. Him a really good chance. He's already in Europe. He's already been playing, and he's an exciting player. He will bring crowds. He will make it entertaining. He's good. He's good for a financial point as well. As well, at the end of the day, French Open, they like want to make money. Put the best players. Put the most exciting players there. And Massetti and Alcaraz, they're both there. They both should be playing in that tournament. I see them both. If they both play that standard of tennis, they were playing against each other. I see them making like fourth round or something to that level already at this early age. What about but, a Nadal-Alcaraz um, final? It, well, Nadal would probably cream him just due to power, <laughs> but it's just the... I don't want to see him do too much too soon. Yeah, yeah I, uh, I, was, I feel exactly the same. Yeah. I just feel like media... Like I think it's, it's been really handled really well from the media. That would be too much for him. To, I wouldn't want him to even get to a stage like that because it's just going to be... If he was, maybe it might yeah. work if you've got all the way and won it. <laughs> well, imagine. But that's the problem, though. If he was English, his career would probably already be over because of the hype that the press would have already put around him. But I think yeah, that yeah, the, sure. the Spanish press of allowing him to grow as a player, and hopefully we can see the best of it. It's obviously worked for Rafael Nadal, and he was starting at a similar age, getting those yeah. really interesting results. Hopefully we can see ATP wins coming from him but next year possibly yeah i'll tell you what is nice though a lot of people talking about him and mm. he's definitely on the radar of a lot of people in tennis now i see on just my twitter i've never seen so many people talking about this guy and we've been talking about him for ages now yeah and it's like um it's good that he's been brought to the the attention of people and people appreciate what good tennis is and if you want to watch an entertaining game and some definitely. high level tennis Look no further than the Challenger Tour and Carlos Alcaraz Garcia. Well, we keep saying it. We keep saying the Challenger Tour has got hidden gems, which these are 
where do you think all of the players that are now your favourite players on the ATP Tour came from? They all came from winning in the Challenger Tour first. So mate, that's get, why we need to get we need to get the travelling going, mate, uh, and get over there and actually sit, go to do some of these challenges. Uh, Everything's been put on hold at the moment, but I literally can't wait. It's yeah. the trouble is if you go to an Alcaraz Garcia tournament, it's probably going to be packed stands these days. But might be able to slip in in the press box. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> might be able to get a little interview. I have to brush up on my Spanish. So on a more sour note, we've seen the news that Benoit Pair has tested positive for coronavirus, meaning he's now out of the US Open. It's sad because his first round tie was quite an exciting one, but he's going to be replaced. I think Granolas has replaced him. Um, and yeah, it's not good for him. Hopefully he recovers soon. He didn't really have a very good Cincinnati, but I'm sure he didn't have coronavirus then. It's just probably, I don't know, the start of it. <laughs> Yeah, he didn't win a game, so it wasn't uh he wasn't looking his best, let's say. So that's just all of our thoughts and wishes go out to him to make a speedy recovery. And that's all you can hope. All right. Well, we've been talking for far too long already. Uh thanks to everybody who's been liking, subscribing, commenting on the videos. Don't forget, we're gonna be bringing you up-to-date, probably daily coverage of the US Open and all of our reactions to all of the results over the next two weeks. So it's going to be a mad one, but jump on board for the ride because, yeah, we're ready for it. Just hope you are too. Are we? Yeah. It's going to be a busy one. Two weeks. It's going to be action-packed. We're not going to have much sleep, but (laughs) it's going to be good. We're going to enjoy it. Anyway, guys, thanks for listening. And we'll see you on the next one. Sports Social Podcast Network.